The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister on Twitter. And today's guest. Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss assistant men's basketball coach, talking to Hadeem C., talking some Ole Miss basketball recruiting. All your questions answered in no Game of Thrones today. I just can't oh, do it. I just can't do it. You don't watch Game of Thrones. Well, no, but I, Twitter was pissed off last night. I was fine. I resigned oh, myself to a not-so-soft landing three episodes ago. Anyone that's listened to The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers – with Maester Daniel and yours truly, knew that I was not going to be a huge fan of the finale. It was what it was. We'll talk about <laughs> it potentially on another and final edition of The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers, if y'all want it. If you don't, I'm totally cool with not doing one. But if you do want it, we'll break it down. I've got a lot of thoughts on it. Not going to cover it here, because a lot to cover here on Talk of Champions with Colin and Ronnie Hamilton, who's coming up in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Ole Miss Baseball is headed to Hoover for the SEC Baseball Tournament. Colin. Tuesday, Missouri, 1 p.m. Give me the preview. Uh, Missouri's a really good uh, – they, they pitch it really well. I'm not sure what they'll do on the mound. Uh, they threw their ace on Friday. I highly doubt he comes back on three days rest. Missouri needs to win this baseball game. Uh, to be honest, this game is kind of meaningless for Ole Miss. Um, 
pretty much all these games from a result standpoint are meaningless to Ole Miss unless they make it to Sunday or so. So it's going to, you're going to have to beat a Missouri team that's probably playing for its postseason life. Um, and then that's tough when, when another one team has everything to play for and you really kind of don't, uh, it's not really a good matchup for Ole Miss. Like I said, they have a bunch of lefties. They don't really hit, uh, obviously kind of people saw the series this year. Ole Miss dropped two of three up there. It's a game Ole Miss can win. Um, I'm interested to see what Missouri does from a pitching standpoint though. Shout out to Ole Miss softball beat Louisiana in two games. Swept the two-day Sunday matchup with Louisiana by walking off Louisiana in the bottom of the seventh with two runs. To advance to Super Regional play, Ole Miss softball will take on Arizona, who advanced out of the Tuscan Regional, beating Auburn 12-3, to I think it was, on Sunday. So Ole Miss softball advances. I don't cover softball. I don't know much about Ole Miss softball, but David Johnson does. He writes for the Ole Miss Spirit alongside me. OMSpirit.com, the best coverage of Ole Miss softball and their run in pursuit of a national championship. So go check that out, OMSpirit.com. David potentially coming on this podcast on Thursday. Depends on what Ole Miss does in the SEC tournament in Hoover. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm headed yet again for the SEC baseball tournament. You said it's meaningless for Ole Miss baseball. So basically you're saying – the host potential, it's wiped out. Make it to Sunday and we'll talk. Otherwise, yeah, I don't I don't really see a path. I don't if you have look, this team has sixteen SEC wins. If they win four games, that's twenty SEC wins. It'd be really kind of hard to uh, leave out a twenty one SEC team that uh, has twenty top fifty wins from a hosting perspective. Other than that, I don't really see a path. They have to be there on Sunday, and frankly, they might have to win on Sunday to to play baseball in Oxford next weekend. Ole Miss did it last year. They won four straight games they after did. losing a game to win the SEC tournament. The difference, though, is I don't know if Ole Miss has enough pitching. Etheridge is going on Tuesday. Doug Nikhazy would go game two. Gunnar Hockland game three. But after that, good luck because Houston Roth would be an obvious candidate. But now with the troubles they've run into in the back end of the bullpen, you need Houston yeah. Roth there. So that yeah. eliminates him as a starting candidate. That's the problem for Ole Miss heading into this tournament if they do make that type of a run to get a host spot, they'll have to do it with who? Max Chofi? Zach Phillips would throw game four, but yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of is what it is at this point. Last year, you just kind of had to find roles going into the tournament. Ron Rollison was going to throw game one. Feigl was going to throw game two. MacArthur was going to throw three. Fowler was going to throw four. And Roth was going to throw five. Those guys had started games for you all year. And this year, it's just kind of – uh, it's kind of in flux. It's been, all, been in flux all year from uh, what you'll do from a bullpen perspective. Look, the bullpen's been bad. That's uh, It's not been a secret. This bullpen has been absolutely atrocious over the past two weekends. Frankly, the past three weekends, they weren't good at LSU either. So, you know, it, it, that and that's not a good setup going into this tournament if you're trying to look to make some noise. You and I have been critical of lineup construction, pitching rotation, bullpen matchups, whatever it may be. Credit to Mike Bianco on Saturday. <laughs> Thomas Dillard started his second game in a row as the leadoff hitter. It took 50-some-odd games to get there, but Colin and I finally got what we've been calling for for so long. Thomas Dillard led off, had five hits in two days, four-hit <laughs> game in his first start as the leadoff hitter. He's finally where he's supposed to be. But even more than that, Ryan Olenek closed the game out on Saturday, and that's bold. Now, Omas didn't have a lot of options outside no. of Ryan Olenek, but – Ryan Olenek, you could argue, is one of the top most reliable options in the back end of the bullpen right now. If they're in a four to three game in a regional in, in, in a week, he's the guy you want on the mound at this point, right? For me, yeah. Maybe, he throws maybe strikes. Miller. Yeah. He throws but, strikes. 
Tim or Myers or Roth, those three are the only guys that are throwing the ball over the plate with consistency at this point. Um, and I didn't watch, I was listening on the radio, but everyone has told me that, that, I mean, like Olenek was just out of his mind on the mound. Like his he, he face, was, he was so intense. <laughs> what did Velo look like? Velo was about 92 with a fastball, 91. That'll fly. Had a good breaking ball. He was That'll staring fly. in really hard. It reminded me of Jeremy Jeffries for the <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers. You want to tell him to chill out, but when the player is on your team, so if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're watching that, it gets you hyped. If you're on the other team, calm down. It's okay. It's not, it's <laughs> it's not that serious. It's not that serious. But Ryan was into it. And this team needs that. It needs that yeah. attitude, that belief that I'm going to shove this down your throat and you're going to just have to accept the fact that I'm about to beat you. Yeah, and because they don't really have any of those guys. They did in Nick Fortes last year, but uh, that attitude, you know, we, we kind of said last year that this team had a swagger about it, and, and frankly, I don't think this team does. Um, That's what and, I think has been most lost. I don't see the edge with this team. Yeah, and and I don't know if it was as simple as losing Nick Fortes or what, but it and Will Golson too, but it, it it's just not been there for this team this year. You and I have said this repeatedly. I feel like a broken record at this point, and I apologize for that, but I'm not a big believer in things you can't quantify. So forgive me if I don't really care all that much about team chemistry and leadership and blah, 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 but when it's absent, it's obvious. Yes. And I'm not saying that these guys out there, Thomas Dillard, Greg Kessinger, whoever, aren't necessarily leaders. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying the edge in which they played with last year, I don't see that ever. And Ryan Olenek... Showed an edge to him. It looked a little cartoonish, but respect, <laughs> recognize, respect the fact that he went out there and owned it and took it and went after it, and they needed that. And when a team has glaringly lacked that leadership, that edge to it, to see someone so obviously have that in a big moment, it does matter. You can't quantify it, but it did matter, and it infused at least a sense of optimism and belief in that team that they desperately needed. They lost six games in a row. Only two other times under Mike Bianco had Ole Miss gone through such a streak, losing six games in a row. So they needed that, and Ryan Olenek provided that. So hats off to him. And now you look forward, I wouldn't be surprised if they're leading on Tuesday going into the bottom of the ninth against Missouri if Ryan Olenek isn't the guy who comes in to close it. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. It, it's such a weird dynamic. And I'll ask you, how do you kind of handle – because once he goes into on the mound, you burn your DH. It, I think it, that's, that's got, overblown. You do? Okay. I don't buy into that at all. You're, you're burning Cole Zabowski. Like it, 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 what if it, you bring him into a game and he gives up a run and it's four to four and you go into the extra innings without Cole Zabowski? If it was if it was somebody that's not as produceful or as product doesn't have the production as Zabowski, I wouldn't worry about it as much. But when he's your DH, that would that would concern me. Then be more creative with your lineup construction. Put Kevin Graham in right field. Oof. Okay. Put Cole Zabowski at first base. That's tough, man. It is tough, but you can be creative <laughs> with it if you want to. But in the end, I think you just have to do what you have to do to give your team the best chance to win. Costing yourself your DH is a small sacrifice for winning a game because the likelihood that that's going to come into play over Ryan Olenek shutting down a game, much more minimal. I guess the only thing, you can't bring him in really in a tie game late in the game, right? No, no. You have to be leading. It has to be a save opportunity. So you can't use him as a bullpen ace. You can't bring him in in the most high leverage situation. So if the game is tied, runners on second and third, nobody out, you're trying to make sure they stay off the scoreboard. You can't use him there. 
You could if he was a traditional reliever. You can't. But if it's a save opportunity, yes, you throw him. Fair you burn I mean, your that, DH. So yeah, what? That's a good point. It's, it's just kind of a weird dynamic that uh, I guess they dealt with it with some with Stephen Head too. Yeah, this isn't new. This isn't something Mike Bianco hasn't faced before. And again, I ask you, if anybody can point to a situation where it happened, I'd love to hear it. At Spirit Bid, at Colin Brister, anybody. <laughs> when has that ever really come into play as far as deciding a game, losing your DH? No, that's a good point. The larger point is, though, that you can't bring him in from behind. No, you can't bring him in in the, in the biggest situation. You still have to rely on Houston Roth and Tyler Myers and oof, Parker Gracie. Yeah. Oof. Parker, at this point, he's less surprising to me struggling than Austin Miller. Sure. Because Parker Cracy always felt like, even last year, that he was on a little bit of borrowed time. Not that he can't turn it around and be good again, but a lot of what made him successful last year is some luck involved. You and I have talked about that. Now the regression monster has come for him a little bit. But what was wild to me is how good he was up until it went bad. Before he took the mound at LSU, he was dominant. And it's just gone to hell in a handbasket now. I don't know what it is either. It's got to be mechanical. He's missing arm side a lot. High arm side. He's missing. Yeah, because it's not a – if it was a velo thing, you could just point to that. I don't really think the velo's that down. I just kind of think he's getting hit. The velo's been there. It's location problems for him. He's always pitched up in the zone. He's Josh Hader in that respect. High velo fastball, pitch up. Never going to play down all that much. Problem with that is if you miss, you miss over the plate. And he's missed a yep. lot over the plate lately. Yeah, and and they've made it pay for it. Um, you wonder, you know, if, if anything mentally it plays into what happened at, at LSU and if he's just not recovered from that because that was tough. Uh, but I, I don't think Ole Miss is in the situation where they can just throw him to the wolves and forget about him either because, I mean, it's not like anybody else is producing out of the bullpen. So you, you, I don't think he's a guy. He's your all-American closer. you got to figure out some role for him. You just have to have a quicker hook. Sure. He's put the first two guys on. Go get him. Yeah, you can't give him the the uh, normal leash that you usually do. You can't do it. Now, looking at Missouri, it's been a while since Ole Miss has seen him. Playing better yep. baseball with Ole Miss and Missouri faced off earlier in the year. What is Missouri now? They're pretty much the same version of themselves. They're really going to pitch it. Uh, they don't hit the ball extremely well. They're coming off a sweep at home at the hands of Florida, which Florida – usually that's not a big deal, but Florida's terrible this year, so – that is a big deal. Uh, Missouri probably needs to win a baseball game to to feel safe about their tournament chances. They're probably in regardless. But I think Missouri is going to attack tomorrow from a uh, all-hands-on-deck perspective. I think I don't think he'll start. I think T.J. Sikama, their ace and, and likely high-end draft pick, will be available out of the bullpen if, if they get a lead or even if they don't, if it's a tight situation. So I, I think Missouri is going to attack, attack tomorrow from a uh, must-win perspective. They don't really hit that well. Uh, Cameron Meisner is their number two hole guy. He's a yeah, first-round pick for them. But outside of that, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty lean at the plate. But it's it's a good matchup for Ole Miss if you're just trying to talk about winning a baseball game because I think Will Etheridge is a really good matchup with them. They struggle against Velocity, and I think Will tomorrow in, in, in that environment will probably be up in Velo a little bit. So I think it's a it's a situation where Ole Miss can probably get a good at, outing out of Etheridge and look up and, and have a real chance to win tomorrow. You don't love the pitching matchup that Ole Miss is facing up against necessarily, though, right? Well, I don't know what Missouri's doing. Uh, so if it if they throw Sycamore tomorrow on three days rest, then no, I don't love that matchup at all because Sycamore is really, really good. If they throw Joven or Candleberry or somebody like that, I think Ole Miss has a real shot. Lefties. Lefties hurt Ole Miss. Missouri has lefties for days. Yes, they do. That's they the got plenty deal. of them. That's the big deal. Now, Ole Miss offensively, 
It's been a struggle to get over five runs each and every game. Single-digit runs constantly, inning after inning. Can't put the crooked numbers up consistently. You worried about the offense going in, or did they figure something out shuffling the lineup oh. around? Oh yeah, you're you're definitely worried about the offense because, like you said, it's a it's a bunch of straight lines, it's a bunch of ones when they score runs. And this team, look, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer on this, but they're reliant really on on home runs. And frankly, you're not going to hit many of them over there. So it's a it's a it's worrisome going over there to if you're talking about winning, you know, enough games to uh, get back into the host conversation, which is a long shot, given uh, sure enough. But I, yeah, I'm worried about the offense from a, uh, can, can you produce extra base hits in that park? And because this team really can't win another way offensively, the Hoover met being a big park does help Ole Miss pitching wise. Doug yes. Casey, Gunnar Hogland, they're fly ball pitchers. This is the perfect setup for them. If you can get to them. Right. Yeah. Doug is uh, giving up. That's his uh, kryptonite this year. He's given up a good bit of home runs and, and, you know, kind of the same with Hogland, not so much home runs, but extra base hits. And yeah, like you said, this park is going to suffocate anything. So those guys, you know, they can play the outfield and, and go get fly balls. Is this a situation looking at the outfield that you make the decision to play Josh Hall in right field because or, or center wherever just because of his ability to go get the baseball? Ryan Olenek needs to be the right fielder. He's needed to be the right fielder all year. I've yeah. been a big believer in Anthony Servideo and Josh Hall being the center fielders all year. You pick your battles to this point. So, Thomas <laughs> we got Dillard, Dillard leading off. Yeah, he's the leadoff hitter. I'm not going to say much of anything else about lineup construction and all that kind of stuff. But Big Park needs some speed in center field, guys that can cover some ground. It would help, especially when you have Thomas Dillard in left field who can't cover all that much ground. So, I do agree with that. Is Ole Miss a two or a three right now? Which are they closer oh, they're, to? They're, they're most definitely a two. I would think they're probably the number two or three two seed right now. Uh, I don't really think a loss to top 25 or 26, I think they are in RPI. Missouri would – I don't think they're going to drop to a three. I don't think there's a situation where this, this team drops to a three seed. Okay, so if they're a two, where are they probably going then? Uh, I mean, you can go anywhere that's not an SCC school. Um, I don't think they end up in L.A. this year for whatever reason. So I think if they're not going to put you on a plane, I think you got to look at somewhere that you could drive to, which is Atlanta. I, I think for some reason I feel like this team ends up in Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. I'm not good with geography. Anywhere that's under 400 miles, it feels like a, a safe bet. So they could end up in, in Raleigh. I think Raleigh's less than 400 miles. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Raleigh or Atlanta kind of feels where they're headed to me. Would that be a good matchup for them if they got Georgia Tech? Ooh, uh, yes. They're 8-12 and 12 or 8-14 and 14 on the road in regionals, and they're 0-2 yeah. in games that could result in them advancing to super regionals. So it's going to be a tough road for them. They'd have to do something they've never done before. But Georgia Tech, what is Georgia Tech if they ended up in Atlanta and as far as Ole Miss matching up with Georgia Tech in that regional. Now, you don't know what the rest of the field is. They actually have to beat somebody else before they got to Georgia right. Tech. But what is that matchup, though? Uh, if they got to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's really offensive. Uh, they're really physical. The thing Ole Miss would have going for them is Georgia Tech. I'm not sure if I'm right about this, but I think I am. Georgia Tech has not played a postseason game since they left Oxford in 2014. So you're, you're the team there with postseason experience. Um, and like you said, look, you'd have to play a three seed in advance. But but you're the team with postseason experience. And I do somewhat believe in that. I think that's a, a, one reason Ole Miss didn't advance out of the uh, – 
the championship game last year. Um, so that would be, that would be good for you. I think that's kind of where you'd want to get sent if you're Ole Miss, um, outside of look, if you can get to the number 16 seed, you'd rather take that Georgia tech will be a national seed, but I, I don't think Georgia tech would be a bad matchup at all for Ole Miss. More excitement right now for Ole Miss baseball or softball. Oh, that's hard to quantify. Like you, like we said earlier, I think it's, it's softball just because of where the program is at. Like if this was just a normal year and, and this team went 16 and 14, that everybody would be like, oh, maybe, maybe they can win a regional. But just kind of the dynamic around this program, I think from an excitement standpoint, it, it's got to be softball. If we're going strictly by the internet, which is never a safe thing to do. <laughs> never yeah, go Twitter. by Twitter, but softball would be the one that's got the excitement. Right yeah. Now. Twitter is pissed off at uh, Ole Miss baseball right now. Twitter's pissed off at everything. That's fair enough. Now, with Game oh, of Thrones, man. it has every reason to be. Ole Miss baseball, to an extent, has every reason to be. Yeah. Ooh, softball which one, which can one? do no wrong. If softball makes a run and can compete for a national championship, what do you think the response will be? I think unfairly, fairly, whatever. It, I think it, it kind of – you look at it, it kind of started yesterday. You look over there and, and people are saying, well, why can't baseball do this? Why can't – because I think – and I don't think this was an unfair point. Softball went into the uh, – Last inning yesterday, trailing four to three uh, with their season on the line, and, and that's a Louisiana out. team that was fifty-two and five, and four, four, yeah, yeah, five, yeah. They had lost the game earlier in the day. You're right, uh, and you kind of look at like would the baseball team do that, and and I think that's a fair crit- critique is is what they've clammed up in, in the biggest moment like that because the softball team didn't. I think that's what is, is unfortunate is everything that softball team does, uh, which isn't fair, gets turned into why well why can't baseball do that. Yeah, I think it's not particularly fair to try to compare sports anecdotally. But yeah. but if you did want to do that, Ole Miss softball was nothing under Missy. And then Mike Smith comes along, totally transforms the program. So, of course, there's going to be the Ole Miss fan out there that goes, see what happens when a change is made? <laughs> the counter well, to that is a change for change's sake without knowing who you're going to go get can result in the trend line going the other way. And to keep it just fair, and, and look, have your opinion on, on Mike Bianco and, and whatever this program is. Mike Smith's not done anything that uh, Mike Bianco didn't do in his first five years. You know, it's it's pretty much the same timeline uh, as far as their first five years in Oxford. They've both hosted regionals. They've both advanced supers. Now, look, my, Mike Smith, hopefully they win two games and go to Oklahoma City. Uh, but if you're just kind of looking at it from that perspective, they've kind of done the same things. David Johnson does the best job of anyone covering Ole Miss softball. OMSpirit.com, the Ole Miss spirit. Check it out. He's got full coverage of it. Now, we've talked baseball. we talked a little softball. It's time to talk some basketball. All right. Football, not a lot going on right now. <laughs> Matt Luke's going to be on the Rebel Yo hotline, so tune in for that. But as far as basketball is concerned, a huge development last week. Hadeem C. is now an Ole Miss Rebel. Not Kadeem Sai, Hadeem C. <laughs> Instrumental in landing Hadeem C. was Ronnie Hamilton. You saw the news, you saw the commitment, you saw the signing. What are your thoughts on Hadeem C being an Ole Miss Rebel? It felt like, it, to me, that's the type kid that Ole Miss is going to have to sign with consistency if they want to get to you know, the next level of this program. Look, Ole Miss has really talented players on this roster right now, assuming Brian Tyree and Devontae Shuler are back. It's a really good roster. But to me, it, it just felt like maybe that's kind of the, I don't want to say watershed moment, but it just felt like if, if Ole Miss can land that type of kid consistently, that the, the ceiling for this program is kind of elevated at this point. 
significant in landing Hadim C was Ronnie Hamilton. He joins us now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's Ole Miss men's basketball assistant Ronnie Hamilton joining us via the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line here on Talk of Champions. Ronnie, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. I mentioned it, Hadim C., an Ole Miss Rebel. You were so actively involved in landing this player. You can talk about him now. Not only did he commit, but he signed. What is Ole Miss getting in Hadim C.? How big of a get is this? Yeah, it was huge for our program. You know, he's a guy we taught it way back when in the fall, and we knew he was going to sign late, so, you know, uh, it was going to be a long process, which was good for us because, um, you know, we were able to really develop a relationship with him over the long haul, you know, throughout his whole, you know, sophomore season at Daytona State. He came from a really good program. Um, you know, obviously he's got, you know, experience at Division One level, but, you know, as we went through – you know, look at our roster. I need early on, you know, just because of Bruce graduating and the possibility of, of Dom maybe graduating, which he ended up doing and, and, and decided to go somewhere for his fifth year, that we will need another you know, post presence, another forward with size and skill, preferably one with experience like Adeem has. Um, you know, because it's just so hard to rely on young guys. And, you know, as we went through and evaluated guys, there's always that fifth year grad transfer market that, 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 you know, that's, that's a possibility, but through all those guys and in junior college, he was the one we felt like was the best in the country. Um, and especially, you know, how we play. And, and so as we got in the process with them, um, forming that relationship with him and his family and, you know, so many dots that, you know, we can connect whether it was playing with Devontae and, and obviously we signed his teammate Bryce Williams in the fall. So it was, it was, it was a, a long, long, long process, but it ended up being a great situation because we thought by the end of it, boy, we, we had a great sense of, of each other uh, in terms of what we needed, what he wanted. And, and uh, I think it ended up being kind of a perfect fit. So we're excited about him to say the least and can't wait for him to get down and start, start working with him. He's got a ton of, ton of potential. Uh, he's a guy I think that can have a huge, huge impact in the SEC you know, next year. Getting older there. Yes, Dom and Bruce were veterans. They were upperclassmen. But this team overall, relatively young. You got Bree coming back. You got Devontae coming back. KJ, Blake entering year two. In the front line, though, getting some older vet gray hair up there. What does it mean for a team that is going to be relatively young, specifically at the five? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's, 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 that's what we kind of identified really, really early, you know, way back. You, you, sometimes you get in the season, then your needs can change, um, you know, based on how guys play, based on sometimes maybe attrition, maybe sometimes just, you know, all different various things, injuries. And so, you know, your needs can change throughout the year. But early on, we thought, man, we've got to get, you know, we've obviously got to replace it guys with Bruce and, and the possibility of Dom came to, to fruition, but we knew man, there was going to be a hole there. 
And so it's kind of like I mentioned before, you know, most big guys, unless you're just getting maybe the best of the best high school-wise, need a little time to develop. You don't necessarily have to rely on freshmen. You know, guards can come in sometimes and make an impact, but it's, but it's few and far between from inside presence, uh, especially at that at that five position. Um, and so that's what our immediate and most pressing need was. And you know, again, you know, we were lucky to kind of identify Hadeem and the easiest way to help you out. Name why just call him Dream, man. We figured out we struggle with it too. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so he, he likes to be called Dream. Stuck with that made it simple for all of us. But this was a guy that. Coach Davis is, you know, I've been in his staff, uh, really good team we've had for the middle and, and you know, now even the old Miss issue, but we've been really, really, really good. So we've had those versatile fours and fives that could score around the basket and they could also step out. And, you know, we could play through those guys. And, uh, you know, this year, you know, Bruce gave us some of that. We, you know, we wanted to have more of it. And we just, like I said, because of style of play, we just felt like he, he fit it. And then, like you mentioned, he's had experience. He's played in ACC games when he was a freshman, and he's played all these games in junior college, probably four of the JUCOs, as, as good as there is in the country. So uh, just his experience playing in high-level games, obviously Oak Hill in high school. So all those things factored into, so I think what's going to make make it for us it's a great situation. We can come in and immediately be able to step in and play valuable, valuable minutes you know, in this league, which is really, really good. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with calling him Dream. Because I'm going to keep messing that up. <laughs> I'm just going to keep That's messing that up. That's what we did earlier on. Yeah. Yeah, no question. <laughs> well, looking at him, last year, make the NCAA tournament with Bruce and Dom didn't really fit what Coach Davis wants in his fives. Let's be honest here. Now, Dom transfers, Bruce graduates, Hadeem can stretch out to three. What does it mean for spacing, for how you can run offense, for guards to have an athletic five, one that can run the floor, um, ideally, obviously, you got to get it, get him here, get your hands on him, and see if he fits what you think he can be. But in an ideal world, having that athletic big that can stretch out to three, that can do all the things athletically that Kermit Davis would like to have from his five, what can that do for everyone else and for the offense and how everything operates? Yeah, I think it just gives you a little bit more balance. You know, uh, again, Bruce Bruce did those things at times and flashes. Uh, you know, Dom had a presence in there as far as screening and opening up the lane, just in, you know, just in terms of just you know, being, being, uh, you know having the ability to get you know some of our guards, Devontae, Brian, TD open, uh, just from a screening standpoint. But when you have a guy that can that can score inside, you know, you can throw it into. It relieves pressures on those guards. So sometimes some of those nights, for example, maybe Alabama down the stretch in, in the tournament, you couldn't, your guards couldn't make a shot. Just sometimes it just happens. And you have a, a, another post presence or, or forward that you can throw it into and play through him. Now, maybe he creates a double team and, and, and gets those guys open shots. Or definitely, a lot of times we're in ball screens and, and, and those guys have, you know, those, those pick and pop guys that can face up and shoot. And you can you can create long closeouts and just get the defense in rotation. So, again, it gives those guards better opportunities. We don't necessarily have to rely on going and creating offense on their own as much as maybe we had to do this year. So uh, the way we play, you know, the way we try to space the floor, the way we try to put pressure on defense is by having, you know, skilled bigs and, and having four guys, hopefully a lot of times five guys that can all pass, dribble, and shoot, which he can do. Uh, speaking of dream, it just it, you know, it just makes our offense uh, that much more versatile, uh, relieves some pressure on our guards, 
and, and just, you know, kind of you watch the NBA, you know, those teams that can do that now, those teams, whether it be Milwaukee or Golden State or, you know, the Raptors and, and, and watching those playoff series, those teams are really, really they're hard to guard. And that's kind of the aim. That's what we've tried to do in, in you know, the last few years you know, with Coach. And I think he's going to be a big part of us to get back to playing that way more so than we were able to this year. The spring signing period opened in mid-April. It closed in mid-May. Hadim waited till almost the very last minute to make his decision. The competition was fierce. How much did you guys sweat it? Um, how difficult of a battle was it to land him? And what all did the recruitment process of Hadim entail? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Uh, man, I mean... You know we, I'm we, good we, at those loaded questions, guessing, Ronnie. Oh, man, we were, we were, you know, we were guessing uh, to the end. You know, and, and again, you know, some of those... Every recruitment has a kind of a life of its own. Some of them are a little shorter just by nature. You get in the spring, maybe, and a guy gets a release, like maybe Austin Crowley, where uh gets a release from a previous school, and so it happens, you know, a little quicker. Uh, some of them just happen just, you know, longer. In the case of Dream, where kid is say, hey, I'm going to make a decision in the spring. Uh, you, know, you got to kind of just stick in there for the long haul, and that's what happened. But what well, had some ups and downs, had some highs and lows, had some, you know, sometimes you felt really good, sometimes you felt quite good. Uh, but you just kind of had to rely on your relationship that you built over time and, and um, rely on, you know, I, I think we had some things that helped in our favor. Again, you know, Bryce Williams, we had signed his teammates, so he was down there. You know, he had a chance to kind of always be in his ear. Devontae Shula, we played with Oak Hill. I mean, they had a great time on their visit. You know, they were able to connect again and just uh, – but at the very, very, very end, we started to feel better and better. Um, as you got closer to making decisions, you start kind of hearing some of the things that makes you feel good. But until that, to that, that, that call comes in, especially when they sign, well, you, you, you never really, never really, you know, hundred percent confident. And so when he did, he called that, that Monday night and called coach Davis and myself, where we were all ecstatic and I feel like we kind of got that final piece uh, that we're looking for. That was going to be my next question. When did you get word? When did he give you all the call and say, all right, I'm coming. Yeah, you know, he it was I mean it was probably about the time everybody was fine. Maybe a little bit before he called Coach Davis around eight thirty, um, on that Monday and called me right afterwards and so me and Coach talk and he shortly did something on his on his social media and uh kinda got some some some, some positive vibes, you know, Saturday leading up into Monday and Sunday, but you know, nothing from him. We kinda we talked a little bit here and there, but now we're getting into to the thought process. So didn't want to steal his moment, but it wasn't until Monday until he actually made his announcement that, you know, we knew for sure from him that he had decided to come. And so, uh, like you said, it, it, it was, it was a, it was, it was a long process, but one that was well, well, well worth it, obviously for us. And, uh, we're still excited about it. Well, now looking forward, you have one spot that's opened up. Rodney Howard has asked for his release. Did that surprise you guys? Uh, was it anticipated in any way? What now do you do now that you have one other spot? Will y'all continue to pursue options? I know you can't talk about options that you're pursuing. Um, they're they're right. not signed or anything. But now that Rodney's asked for his release, did that surprise you? And do you expect to pursue other options? Yeah, it didn't surprise us as much, maybe. Um, the timing a little bit. You know, I think, as you know, you know, Rodney committed to us really, really early. Uh, our first commitment in his class. And, you know, like I talked about, a little bit, you know, sometimes your recruiting changes. And so at that time, maybe didn't 
you know, if we would sign another big, uh, end up signing a couple more guys. So I think there was a thought process for him and, and for us as well. Um, you know, maybe, uh, and I think at the end, he thought maybe it was a better situation for him to go so we have a chance to maybe play more early on. Um, so you're always kind of always thinking uh, ahead, you know, like we always do. And so um, didn't necessarily get caught off guard, but now that we do have another scholarship open, and we'll kind of sit back and there's, there's so many, you know, I, I told, told somebody this other day, I mean, like you look at South Carolina and they signed right, two of their best three players around June and July, maybe even August. I know AJ Lawson was signed, I think in July and then, Kid Keyshawn Bryant was maybe in June. I can't remember the exact date. So, you know, through through just coaching changes, which there may not be as many of those left, but just transfers and guys reclassing up, it always seems to be used to be used, used to not be that way. Used to be kind of settled around like the first of you know June most rosters, but now just ever changing. Always you know, possibilities out there. So we'll sit back and and and, and just kind of see what unfolds. There's some guys maybe that we that we class uh, that that we're aware of, but we'll sit back and just see you know who, who's the best fit, who's the best um, guy to possibly add to our roster. Maybe you know, it's a guy that can sit out. Um, we do feel like we got some depth now, a little bit more deeper, um, both in the front court and the back court. So we'll just sit back and just see and try to find the best fit for us, you know, going forward. That was going to be my next question. Does it matter about position now that you've gotten Hadim in the fold? Can you just pick best player available at this point, or would you target a big? Does that even matter right now? Yeah, I, I think I think we I think we're in a, you know the in a good position where you know, it doesn't really matter to be honest, man. I think we can just kind of sit back and try to get the best available guy. Um, I, you know, I do think we feel bigs are always hard to get, so so those guys are always at a premium. If you, if, you, you know, if you can get one, whether it be one that can maybe play right away or maybe one even that you feel good that maybe can develop in time or maybe one you can sit out, it might be the, might be the first preference. But the way our roster is set up now, I think we got some leeway to, 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 to just kind of go out and try to find the best available guy, um, you know, for next year's roster and beyond too. Well, I can't let you go without talking about the current roster and the players already <laughs> on campus. I know a lot of guys have scattered out. They've gone home. They'll come back for the summer program and yeah. stuff like that. When does that really kick off? And once it does, what is the program like for these guys? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. When you recall and you mentioned offseason, I kind of laugh because there's really no offseason anymore. Oh, no. Really, no. Really, no. Really Those days are long gone. The days of you going to the beach or going golfing, you can oh. maybe get a weekend in, but that's about it. That's it. I mean, that, that that is that is that is literally what it is. We had a little weekend this past weekend, um, but but that that's it. I mean, our guys, like I said, our guys give you a quick time on guys no exams last weekend, so most of them were able to get out of town. Uh, you know, last Friday and Saturday, and uh, so they're back home for a little bit, and we start school actually next Tuesday. Uh, so so a week and a day from today, so you can you can you can just tell how short that that break was, uh, and. So, all those guys will start getting back over the course of Sunday, Monday, which is Memorial Day. And then we'll have uh, limited team practices and workouts throughout the summer. You can kind of spread it out amongst a certain amount of weeks uh, over June and July, a little bit into August. Um, and so the off season is great from that standpoint because you can start to, to, uh, to, to, to start really kind of building for next year's team when everybody gets here. And all of our guys, new guys included, won't get in here until the 
second summer session, which starts June 27th. We'll have a couple of the guys who signed, uh, Taven Cullum and Austin Crowley will get here next week. So they'll start to kind of get, uh, get ahead of the curve a little bit. But that off season really, and we told most of the guys in the visit, Coach Davis, obviously, you know, we'll meet with some of these guys as far as assistant coaches with Coach Case and Coach Walker. We always stress to them, and all season about individual. You know, so who, 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 who can be the most improved guy between now and, you know, we really start in the heart of it in the fall. Um, you know, and, and I even, you know, have comments from some of them. Hey, you, 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 know, you can kind of fool sometimes your friends, you know, get on there and say, I'm working out. You can fool your coaches. You know, tell us, you know, you're in the gym. It's hard to fool us because we know who's in there. But you can fool us to a certain extent if you want to. You can fool your family, you know. But you can't fool the game. And so the summer really is about getting yourself better individually. We'll have some team stuff. It's important. We'll do a lot of that as much as you can, you know, within the NCAA rules. Times we're permitted in the hours per week, but it's not near as much, obviously, during the season. So the time you can get in there extra, you know, spending time in the gym on your own, getting shots up, working on your fundamentals, uh, is a huge part of the summer. And so that's that's, that's that'll be our – our biggest goal for each individual guy, some things individual, each of them have to prove on. But I've been really encouraged with just watching them and seeing them since the season ended. You know, whether it's Brian Tyree has been in the gym, Luis Rodriguez, Blake, KJ, all of them have really, Carlos Curry and Franco starting to get a lot more closer to 100% healthy. So all these guys have really made a concerted effort. I think, you know, they, they like the fact we had some success, got the NCAA tournament, but then their last taste that left in their mouth as far as how we play when we got there. We all want to get back there and play better now, you know. So I think that's something that's going to motivate us throughout the summer and into the fall and until we start actually uh, playing again, you know, next season. Franco is a player that you've worked with so much individually to get him back right, to get him back healthy. This summer's critical for everyone, but it seems even more so for Franco. What do you need to see from him? What would you like to see for him? And for someone who's worked with him so intimately, where is he now as far as his health? Because Carmen came on this podcast said he's at 95%. Do you see that? Can you see that he's getting better? Yeah, you definitely can. You can just see he's getting his confidence back in terms of just from a health standpoint. It, you know, it's like most of those major injuries that guys have, whether it be, for example, Paul George or Gordon Haywood. You, you, can, you can get back to where maybe the doctor feels that you – are cleared to be 100%, but then it's that next mental part. So we're starting to see some glimpses where you just let yourself go and just plays. And, you know, you may have a little pain, but you can play through it knowing that it's just, just part of just being sore, just part of just working out, or just part of just, you know, fatigue, or part of just putting your body through, you know, some, some work. And so uh, I think that's the next step for him is just, just the mental aspect of just being able to kind of put back-to-back-to-back-to-back workouts and, 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 and not necessarily have any, you know, setbacks, which, you know, some of that is just, you know, based on his health. But he, you can tell he's starting to get some of the explosiveness back, some of his, some of his speed, and be able to change speeds, change directions. And so now as he's gotten to that point, now, you know, the biggest thing you want to be able to see is now just from 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 competing standpoint now, you know, just because one thing about our practice, somewhat, like I said, we mentioned earlier, I think we'll be a lot deeper. In the in the backcourt, uh, you know, even with Jarkel Joyner, will be here this summer working out with our team. So the practice will be you know, a lot more competitive. And so just uh, seeing those guys compete against each other daily to push each other to be better and better and better, uh, I think this is going to help our team. But obviously, Franco will be a huge part of that. Cause we need him to be good uh, going forward, you know, for next season. 
He's Ole Miss men's basketball assistant, Ronnie Hamilton. Always good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on, talking deep about Ole Miss recruiting. Great stuff. Thanks. We'll talk again. Appreciate it, Ben. That was Ole Miss assistant basketball coach, Ronnie Hamilton. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. Football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. You heard Ronnie there, detail Hadim C's recruitment. Also, Rodney Howard. He stepped away. He's asked for his release. Now Ole Miss has one more spot to give in the spring. Interesting that Jamin Brakefield <laughs> is still out there, and there's still a chance that he could reclassify. Now, obviously, Ronnie Hamilton isn't going to talk about Jamin Brakefield. He's a recruitable athlete. You can't mention those guys by name. You can't talk about him. But I can tell you from my own sourcing and from digging into this story, just because Jamin Brakefield came out on Twitter and said, I'm not going to be reclassifying, there's still a chance out there. Actually, I'd probably put it about 60-40 that he does reclassify. And if he does reclassify, it'd be Ole Miss. If you end this recruiting cycle, fall, spring, with Jamin Brakefield, easily the best class ever, right? Oh, yeah. When you consider C and, and, and Crowley. Uh, and you didn't really know if you were going to get any of those guys after, you know, Brakefield announced that he was he was going to go back to high school. Uh, so to go from really zero guys to, to three, uh, that's a heck of a recruiting crew coup. And, and it's going to I mean, it it kind of takes almost basketball to a new level. I think even without Jamie Brakefield, it's the best class ever. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Now, oh, in two, four, seven rankings. It's like 30-something, but that's because 247 inexplicably does not rank JUCO prospects. I can't explain <laughs> it. I work for 247, but I don't do the rankings. 
I'll have to ask Evan Daniels or someone what the hell is going on with Ole Miss rankings and stuff like that with 247 in basketball. But other services, one in particular has Ole Miss, I think, in the top 15. I don't know if Ole Miss has ever had a top 15 class. Actually, I'm pretty safe in saying they have never had a top 15 class. Right. I, I was wondering what would be the competition. Like, was the class with uh, Perez and Newby? I mean, both of those guys were, what, top 200 guys? That would be the only one that you'd even consider, right? Probably. And that was just two dudes. Yeah. Austin Crowley, mm-hmm. Hadim C., and then looking at the fall class, Sammy Hunter. Right. Had he been in the States playing AU basketball, the EYBL, all that stuff, he's a top 100 player. He didn't play that stuff, so he's not a top 100 player. But being from Canada, the Bahamas, Sammy Hunter hasn't gotten the exposure that other prospects do. But Ole Miss believes him to be a top 100 player. And if you ask around and look at the offer sheet, hard to argue against that point of view. Bryce Williams, coveted Juco player. Dude Column, coveted prep player out of Memphis. There's a lot to like about what Ole Miss has done, really filled out their needs, and now what it allows them to do with Rodney Howard stepping out, Ole Miss can really identify the best player available. There's no spot on the roster that's a glaring hole. When you have Hadim C commit and sign, now you can just go target who's the best available player to you, what are the options, who do we like best, who can we get? And that's a big deal. Hadim C feels a glaring need for Ole Miss. Bruce Stevens was gone. Dominic Olenicek was gone. You can debate all day how big of a loss those guys really were. Hadim C steps into a role that they desperately needed him to step into. It allows you to step back, take your time, assess. South Carolina added two of its best players in like July last year. So now Ole Miss is afforded the opportunity to wait things out. And that's a big deal. Hadim C was the final domino needing to fall. And he did. And now Ole Miss can just look around, probably going to stay away from the grad transfer market and focus on players that they can develop, they can add to the roster, and it doesn't matter what they play. And it feels like, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, it feels like Ole Miss was able to do this and keep guys that they wanted to keep. Like they they were able to keep Carlos Curry and Franco Miller. Uh, And and I feel like that's big for them. That's what they wanted to do. Everyone was talking about Carlos Curry and Franco Miller being potential replacement guys. No. Ole Miss was always going to keep Carlos Curry. And if they could, if the numbers didn't crunch so much that they just had to, they were going to keep Franco Miller. They like Franco. They like the connection to the Bahamas. Everything like that. Ole Miss is so popular in the Bahamas right now. Why would they throw a wrench in that by getting rid of Franco Miller after a year in which he was never healthy? They'd rather just get Franco healthy. And they believed in the player. Lest we forget... Ole Miss got Franco Miller over Oklahoma and Minnesota, a bunch of different schools. So let's not pretend like Franco Miller doesn't have significant potential. You just hadn't seen him yet. It's easy to dismiss him when you haven't seen him. But Ole Miss believes in the talent. You were excited about him if you were an Ole Miss fan when they signed him, knowing what Ole Miss went up against in recruiting. Now let him get healthy. Kermit Davis was on this podcast, said he's like 95% as Franco Miller now. That's a big piece. You didn't have a backup point guard last year. It was effectively D.C. Davis. Franco Miller matters. And you'd rather have a guy who's been in your system for a year, who's worked individually with Ronnie Hamilton for a long time to get right. Let him be him for a year. See what you got. Assess the situation. They never really wanted to move on from him. So now you get to see what you have. Yeah, and and I think that's what's huge. They're going to be – and I feel like – 
this is just kind of a duh statement, but I don't feel like there's a guy on the roster next year that they can't count on to give them something. Like there were guys this year that that they had to count on, but they God knows they wish they didn't. I feel like everyone on the roster next year can contribute in some form or fashion. This year, DC Davis got overextended. KJ Buffin is a true freshman overextended. Blake Kenson is a true freshman overextended. Lord knows Dominic Olenichek was overextended. <laughs> Bruce Stevens defensively against Oklahoma exposed as far oh, as his man. defensive shortcomings. You're right. You look at this 13-man roster, currently 12, going to be 13. Right. They'll add somebody. Carlos Curry can give them 8 to 12 minutes, potentially, behind Hadim C. I think the key cog here, you know what you got in Devontae Shuler, Blake Kenson, KJ Buffin, Brian Tyree. Hadim's got to be good from jump, but the benefit to him compared to other Juco guys, he's played at this level before. Right. He played at Virginia Tech. Real minutes at Virginia Tech. He knows what to expect. He knows what will be demanded of him. So he comes in, takes over the role, and you hope he runs with it. I think there'll be less of an adjustment period for him than there would be with other prospects, be it high school or junior college. Is he essentially, and, and look, I'm, I'm nowhere near a scout, is he essentially Bruce Stevens that can play defense? Oh, no, he's far better than Bruce. Far okay. more athletic than Bruce ever was. Okay. Well, I mean, that Completely kinda... different body types. Okay, yeah, yeah. Bruce could stretch did. out to three in theory. <laughs> Hadim C could actually stretch out to three. He shot, what, 32% last year, which that's not great, but, I mean, you've got to respect that too. Yes, there's room to grow for him from three as well. But he doesn't have to step in and start making a bunch of threes in the games. The one player who really needs to improve at three is K.J. Buffett. Right. They want him to shoot threes, and he can do it. He showed he can do it. He does it all the time in practice. The confidence is lacking for him in games. But Hadim C., I think, is already a more proficient three-point shooter than Bruce Stevens ever was. Like Bruce, by the end of his Ole Miss career, was as good a three-point shooter as he could ever be. Hadim C., is already Bruce Stevens by the end of his Ole Miss career as far as shooting three-pointers. Yeah, and, and that's big for Ole Miss. Look, man, if you've got C and, and Buffin out there, both guys can can knock down three-pointers to the to the point that defenses have to respect that. That does so much for driving lanes for, for Brian Tyree and Devontae Shuler uh, when, when those guys can't just clog the lane because you have big guys that can step out and knock it down. Ole Miss basketball have the most momentum of any program right now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could I could argue softball, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would go basketball for sure. Of the big three sports, oh, basketball, absolutely. baseball, football. Oh, not even close. Okay, <laughs> so if basketball is one, who's two? Oh, man, football. And, and I understand why people would be hesitant to, to agree with that, but I just kind of think this ba- baseball program right now, look, they could change that this week. I just kind of think they're in a rut right now, don't you? Feels that way. I could argue for football easier than baseball for a number yeah. of reasons. One, the coaching changes. Two, how they finish in recruiting in February. John Reese Plumley, Lakia Henry, on and on. You land those players in February backing up and, the coaching changes you made, getting rid of Phil Longo and Wesley McGriff. Yeah, they have something can, they can sell you right now. And you can get some positive news. And look, this would impact baseball to an extent. But if you get Ely to campus, that only helps you in football too. Baseball, there's just not a lot to sell right now. They no. need to make a run. It would behoove yeah. them to make another memorable run in Hoover this week. Now, don't overextend pitching, but yes. Does it really matter if they host? I, I just don't feel like this team can get out of whatever regional they get. No, it. I mean, I mean, hell, if you 
I guess my point would be if you host, that meant you ran through the SEC tournament. And if you can run through the SEC tournament, for the love of God, why can't you win a regional? Because it's Ole Miss, uh, man. <laughs> which is a fair point. But, it, yeah, I, I, I mean, if I, I wouldn't bet much money on this team being alive uh, on Super Regional Weekend. You were so bullish on this team to start the yeah, year. So bullish. What's been the most bumming thing for you? That it just doesn't make sense. Like, like to me, they're not performing like up until Mississippi State. They were performing pretty much at the same level uh, that they were last year when the team went eighteen and twelve and won the West. They're pretty much performing at that level, and then for whatever reason, the last two weeks it just went it just went crazy. Uh, that would be I, I still think this team up until two weeks ago was a team that can compete to go to the College World Series. But for whatever reason, it has just gone off the cliff at this point. I think that's the most frustrating thing is just how – been a week ago uh, – I mean, uh, about 10 days ago, this team was talking about locking up a host and, and maybe being a national seed. And now there's really not much of a chance to host a regional. It's just crazy how quickly things change. If they were producing it a similar, if not the same level as last year, as far as the numbers are concerned, explain then why the record wasn't similar. Okay, let, let let me rephrase what I said there. They were they were producing an SEC play um, at the same level. They weren't producing non-conference wise in these midweek games like they were last year. Uh, and f- pretty much the reason for that is Jordan Fowler was really good in the midweek last year, and they didn't get that production this year in the midweek. Um, but I mean, you, there's a lot of reasons that the bullpen's not been good. Frankly, I mean, I don't think it's been a well-managed season. Um, and I think that hurts some. So I, I think that those are the two things you kind of look at uh, when you when you kind of just look at it from a win loss perspective as to why it doesn't compare to last year. I told Mackenzie Salmon, who guest co-hosted this show last week, that unlike in years past, one thing that Mike Bianco's always been really good at is putting his thumb on the pulse of what makes a team particularly good, right? And getting the best out of that team, so he could put his thumb on the pulse figure out what makes this team good, and go out and pull it out of them. This team, it feels like, and I could be wrong, you can't quantify it, and I'm not a big believer in it, but I don't know if he has a great read on what this team is or what makes it tick. No, that's that's a really good point. As usually this time of year is, is kind of when they're playing their best baseball, and for whatever reason, they are – they're doing the reciprocal of that. And maybe, maybe if you're an Ole Miss fan, the, the hope is that, uh, that, that changes in June that, uh, you're usually you're playing your best baseball in May and your worst baseball in June. I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan, maybe you're hoping for the inverse of that this year. Predict Hoover. What does Ole Miss uh, do? They win Tuesday. All right, I'll do this. They're going to win Tuesday, win Wednesday, lose Thursday, lose Friday. Wow. So I got a full week stay in Hoover. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. I just kind of think they've got Arkansas's number. Yeah, if anything else, they always got Arkansas. <laughs> Ever since that idiot who looks like the quintessential Arkansas Razorback showed Went his bizarre. ass in that series, they've owned Arkansas. Man, that's been 13 years ago. Goodness gracious. Yeah, he looks like a television show bully. That dude. <laughs> he was juiced up, man. He had to be. Everyone's so happy to see him get his comeuppance. Totally fine with it. And he sold it really well. In wrestling, the term is selling when somebody doesn't move on you and you sell that it hurt really bad or something. Right. So if Stone Cold did a stunner to The Rock, The Rock would fly in the air and bounce off the ropes and come back down. It's the most devastating move ever. This dude doesn't get hit by a pitch. 
Not Go look close. it up on YouTube. It's very easy to find. Doesn't get hit by a pitch, but sells it like he got absolutely obliterated. And he continued <laughs> to argue. The umpire couldn't control this dude. It was great. <laughs> gets thrown. He takes strike three. Obvious strike. Gets thrown out the next pitch. It was one of the funnier moments yeah. in Ole Miss baseball history. It was so obviously a strikeout, and yet he's pissed <laughs> off that he didn't a get awarded first base for not getting hit by a pitch, but b that that obvious strike call wasn't a ball. Good for you. <laughs> if you're going to go off the deep end. Go full on off the deep end, right? Be yeah. Britney Spears. Earned Shave it. your head. My man earned it. Uh, he goes into the dugout and just starts throwing profanities and helmets and bats. God, if you haven't seen that video, you need to go do that. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. He was so mad. Brian Walker. Brian Walker. Yes. Let's see. Let's look up Brian Walker for Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. He looks like a cartoon bully. Looks like a cartoon, cartoon bully. Good That's perfect crazy. He looks like O'Doyle from O'Doyle Rules and Billy Madison. It's great. <laughs> Wasn't even close. Oh, man. And he grabbed his elbow like he was in the most awful of pain. And he has the elbow guard on, which is the most funny thing. <laughs> 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 he's got the elbow guard on, and he's laughing as he looks back at the umpire and then gets mad. <laughs> Oh God! Yep, that was that was the funniest moment in baseball history, and Ole Miss has owned Arkansas since. Oh, so if they get to Arkansas, yeah, they'll win that. Getting through Missouri is <laughs> going to be tough, though. It will be. It will be. Especially like I said, they're playing for their life. Ole Miss is not playing for its life so much as no, 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 no. Yeah, Ole Miss will play baseball beyond Tuesday. I promise. Even with a loss, doesn't really matter as far as their seating is concerned. What they do in Hoover outside of winning the thing. No, no. I mean, I, I would be shocked if they won it if they didn't host. Um, I don't think this team's about to win the tournament. <sighs> Fix Parker Caracy. <laughs> it would help. That would help the cause. Yeah. Hey, I have a I have an interesting theory. All right, okay. just, just hear me out for a second. All right. Doug McKenzie, the past three weekends, I didn't think he was particularly good against Mississippi State from a stuff standpoint. He battled his guts out. He wasn't good this weekend. Would you not just give him his normal rest and let him get back on schedule? Yes. Okay. Here's my theory. It'll never not happen, theory. but yes. I would start Parker Caracy and not and oh, throw him no. in low no. and throw him in low leverage innings. No. Mm-mm. No. But man, that you got If you do were going to do that, throw him against Arkansas State. Well, okay, that's fair enough, but I've got to I got to figure out a way to get this kid right before next week, right? Who are you going to start him against? I don't know, Arkansas. It doesn't matter. It's useless. If you win Tuesday, it doesn't matter. We're debating something that's never going to happen. I, I, I full it took fifty-four it will games to get Thomas Dillard leading off. Fifty-four. But who's counting? Men, Colin, yeah. were counting. I swear. <laughs> we were just right. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. Check out the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. David Johnson's great coverage of Ole Miss softball, Ole Miss baseball, Ole Miss basketball recruiting. Our thanks to Ronnie Hamilton. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. If you haven't started Game of Thrones, don't do it. You'll be disappointed. Or if you do, <laughs> let it be over for you in the season finale of episode six. Ooh, let that be ooh. the series finale for you. I started last night. Barry's done too. Barry's the best show on television. I finished Barry and started for the first time Veep. Maybe I've heard Veep, that's good. Yeah, maybe Veep can fill that void for me. Probably not. 
as I What's, wait for George R. R. Martin to never finish these books. What was the worst ending? Uh, Ole Miss is into the baseball season or the end of Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Okay, fair enough. Game of Thrones. Now, I never thought I'd be more disappointed by a show after loss ended and then Game of Thrones <laughs> showed up. You, you must not be a, a How I Met Your Mother fan. I am, but I wasn't um, emotionally invested in it like I am Game of Thrones. Okay. If you've listened I, to The I Night was. is Dark and Full of Spoilers, you know Ben's love for Game of Thrones. Yeah. I am a nerd about it, hardcore <laughs> nerd about it. And yeah. Oh, How I Met Your Mother was atrocious. I never, <laughs> ever once thought, man, I love this show. I need this show in my life. When it was over, all I could think was, God, that was bad. And that was it. I have never been tempted to go back and watch How I Met Your Mother. I feel like that's the uh, show that's bad that you have like guilty pleasure for watching. Yes. What's the one show that you absolutely love that stuck the landing? Mine was Friday Night Lights. Breaking Bad. And, and I could argue Friday Night Lights, too. The Sopranos stuck the landing for me. I know for okay. many I'm in the minority, but it stuck the landing for me. Breaking Bad, I'll freely admit I never loved Breaking Bad. I got into it. I watched it all. But I never truly found myself immersed in the world of Breaking Bad. Great show. One of the best shows ever. The Wire didn't quite stick the landing, but the finale was satisfying enough because unlike in Game of Thrones, Danny trying to break the wheel, The Wire was all about how the wheel keeps spinning. So it was consistent thematically. Game of Thrones was never consistent thematically in season seven and eight. More on potentially the last The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers. If y'all want it, if y'all want it, because if you don't want it, me and Mr. Daniel... We're good. We're, we're, we're good. We, we know it's hard for us to talk about this show right now. Really hard. <laughs> Last two weeks, the night is dark and full of spoilers. It's been tough. But I got a lot of notes, so I can tell you my thoughts if you really want to hear it. It's the night is dark and full of spoilers. It's been Talk of Champions. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.